Hello, and welcome to a podcast. A podcast? I'm Mitchell Regan, and with me as always is Teresa Stoddard. Short intro again, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I figured that we could save all the bathtub stuff till later. What about the grave stuff? That's a little bit <laughs> going off the bat. Okay, well, guess what? We have a special guest today. We do. We have a special guest joining us today. For this special episode, this is about the movie Saltburn, directed and written by Emerald Fennell. Uh, joining us today is the wonderful, great, fantastic author of uh, Green Pines, who is a she is a horror movie enthusiast uh, and author of uh, again Green Pines that you can get on Amazon.com today is the wonderful Grace Anderson. Hello, Grace. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Are you ready to uh, join us on a wonderful adventure to the great English country where we will stay at a wonderful manor with a really weird butler? Yeah, okay, I'm what, excited. What is up with Duncan? We might have to wait for the spoiler section. Okay, no, but he never uh, does anything overt. But like, do we all think he's a murderer or something? Like, something is up with Duncan. Yeah, and he doesn't even know how to open curtains. Come on, I won't say any more about that. But like, come on, I just want to start this off by saying, I loved him. <laughs> I loved him. I loved him. I wasn't in love with him. Um. So our guy. <laughs> Oliver Quick, which I love the name, love the jokes that are played into that. Played by Gary Barry Keoghan. Which he needs to be put on some list. Like, I don't know. Like, there's there's method acting and then there's this. So, like, let's be careful, guys. Um, that actually put me off of what I was gonna say. <laughs> Damn. I had something like ah. You had something related to birds? No. <laughs> that was a very bird sound. Oh, I just wanted to say he like seems to be performing to the fourth wall the entire time. And I think that's a really cool like I feel like everything he did is performing from start to finish. And that's without like getting into any like anything real deep, any spoilery-ish stuff, but like it seems like we were a part of the movie. Like they're trying to talk. He was trying to specifically talk to us, the audience, and now he's like that. Yeah, well, that go. man deserves an Oscar. Oh, yeah. If it was very difficult to hear what she just Sorry. said, uh, this one, one of the unique things about this movie is that it was completely shut out of the Oscars race. No nominations for anyone. No. Barry Keoghan for his performance. Um, Jacob Elordi, which like, Jacob Lordy. I did not know that man could like act. I knew he could act and he's great, you know, like Euphoria, Kissing Booth, but like wearing sweaters. Oh my God. So so he should put on his rider that like in every movie he has to wear a V-neck sweater because like it softens him up because he's like giant and it just, it works. Yeah, hot guys in sweaters is <laughs> It's also uh, the name sweaters. Twenty twenty four. We are running for president. Well, I was gonna say that was that was also gonna be one of the names of this podcast. So we just didn't know how it would work since we're in Florida and you can't wear a sweater very often. There are a lot of uh, 
warm people. And now, Grace, you're all the way on the other side of the country, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Colorado. People can definitely wear sweaters here. That sounds nice. So we are speaking to her. She's currently in the past, and we are in the future. Is that how that works? Yes. Well, whether she's in the past or the future, we have our long-running, second time we've ever done it, segments. Of Convince Me! Of Convince Me, in which us, the podcast people, try to convince our audience. Better than pod people. Better than pod people. Are we, again, because we have, this is the definitive like segment that we've done a million times, second time ever. Um, we will do it forever more. Or just drop it randomly. Like we uh, <laughs> We're like, we're going to get mini-sodes, and then we're like, we don't do that anymore. Um, but this segment, are we? do we always convince them to want it, or sometimes we convince them that they shouldn't watch it? Are you going to convince them not to no, watch it? No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I would convince you not to watch if you see a bathtub, just just worry. I know you guys have seen it on the internet. You're wondering why they're talking about bathtubs so much. The Salzburg memes. You will know, and knowing is not good. Okay. Um. So, do you want me to start out with my convince me? Do you want you to start uh, out? Chris, do you want to start off, or do you want to go um, off? I, can you like do yours first, so I have an example? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, oh, oh, you're using your timer. We need to use, we need the 60 seconds on the clock. Can you make more than one? Um, sure. Or mm, I could do it on here. It has to be 60 seconds. 60 seconds or less. Yes. Okay. Well, it sounds like we're a pizza hut now. I don't think deliveries in 60 seconds or less. Well, then you're that ordering the wrong pizza hut. <laughs> Um, There's a clock app, and I've then got it, jerk. just help me out. Okay, timer on the clock. By the way, this is a conceit that she had. You could take as long as you want for a convince me section. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, but for us, the seasoned professionals, so doing it the second time ever. Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. Blast off. I'm the one who's yes. having us off. Wow, thanks. 54 seconds, 53 seconds, 50. Um, if you like watching or tour driven art with amazing classy shots about a story about eating the rich, uh, this is a movie for you. Uh, there is a lot of shock factor to it, and I would say there is a heavy amount of um, trigger warnings and uh bathtub scenes you might want to enjoy uh, i mean sorry you might want to avoid i should say because you will not enjoy them but i think this is well worth it um it's a good social commentary and uh there's a twist in it that i don't think people would see coming an oliver twist it's your turn okay let me go ahead and get my bad pun it's your turn obviously what else would i do Good puns. All right. First of all, guys, I'm going to convince you. Um, <laughs> bad puns are better than good puns, but anyway, that's part of my convince me section. Um, it would be a grave mistake not to watch this. Um, so get out your bathtubs, get out your V-neck sweaters. Um, I love this movie. You do. Um, and the end, if you like waiting for it, 
will like just be so good. It will pay off in the end. Um, it's definitely worth worth a rewatch. Just got done rewatching it, so it'd be nice and fresh. And I just love this movie. Um, like Mitchell said, class, blah da da da. Um, the bourgeoisie, let's eat them, delicious. I, I don't know, they're not very nutritious. Um, so many of the characters have such great lines. They're zingers, and just like you're gonna be kind of disgusted, but like you're gonna want to watch anyway. So, time. All right, and then you don't have to be timed. Convince us, Grace. So it's like a psychological thriller with dark academia vibes. It kind of reminds me of The Secret History, if you ever read that book. No, but I need to put it on my TBR. It's really good, but that's not what we're talking about right now. So it's got Secret History vibes. It has a bunch of cute actors. The cinematography yeah. is beautiful, and it has a really interesting twist and an eat the rich message. Like, what more could you want? Damn. Wow, you beat us all and like like masterfully. So that is actually what we're really into is being beaten masterfully. So um long operatic intro to Saltburn. You mean how it starts off? Yes, but like with the opera music, and he just walks slowly, slowly, so like it, it, it lasts a while. I'm like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was going to say, because you had mentioned the fourth wall breaking. Yes. And so I wanted to start there because the movie starts with the the conceit of um, Oliver Quick, played by Barry Keegan. Uh, well, we don't know exactly who he's talking to. It could be the police. It could it be. We don't. Much police yeah, we don't know who it is, but it's he's. It sounds like he's starting off with what you had started the podcast when talking about the. I loved him. I didn't, you know, like, and it's obviously it's, it does pay off at the end, but, um, you know, it, it's the whole thing starts off with him talking to the audience in this conceit about like, what is happening and what had happened. And like the eye contact that he, he gives is more than you would in an investigation. Like, well, we don't know that for sure yet. Well, the impression like, that so the impression that I got, sorry for interrupting. No, please do. is that he's like, you know those true crime Netflix documentaries? Right. I got yeah, the feeling got. he was like being interviewed for one of those. That's the vibes I got. Yeah, hundred percent. So I wanted to that's a perfect point that I can jump off of Grace. Thank you. Um it shows so much what happens in the movie in the very beginning. Um very much like Daisy Jones in the six. Yeah. which was on Amazon Prime, and you can catch our episode of it. Our dog wants in on this podcast so bad, she cannot help it. So is there anything else you wanted to mention about no, the, like parallel? the parallel? Like, it's just the anachronisms and showing you, giving you that, but you don't know what it means yet. Yeah. And watching it a second time just pays off so well. Well, and I know and it's, it's a, a completely different watch. I also think that much like if you want to use that relate that um it is a period of time which they go back to it's not too far back but mm -hmm. you know it starts off you know jarringly like class of 2006 so it's which is like a very specific point in time i think that it draws from um you know like where there's like not really like everyone addicted to phones yet 
there's like a very very specific style that we're we're introduced to what was that okay which reminds me okay if you haven't seen this you won't know what it means so don't worry about it great but just the fact of somebody would forget their phone in the bathroom wouldn't happen in 2024 right. you have that glued to you so like characters leaving phones around I'm not going to tell you who or what or even when but listen in the spoiler section people and you will be rewarded but um so what did you think about the beginning of uh the relationship that started between um oliver's character and felix's character and their introduction to each other so i think it so sorry i think it was no. manipulative from the beginning he is playing like oliver is pretending to be like this loser nerd who like has drug addicted parents and doesn't have any friends and he's doing that to rope felix in it's not like his real personality or anything so I do want to add one specific caveat. Well, not caveat, but I love exactly. That's w wonderfully put. Your first initial reaction when you first watched the movie, okay. did you get that impression as well? I did or not. Did you... Oh, sorry. Are you talking? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Grace. Grace, yeah, I'm talking to you. Okay. I got the impression that he was suspicious, but I didn't know exactly why. So did you think that that was a genuine, like he was manipulating Felix from the beginning? Or did you get the impression that, like, sorry, did you get the impression that he was manipulating Felix from the beginning? Or did you feel that he was actually downtrodden and looking for compa companionship? I kind of feel like he was not being honest from the beginning. Interesting. So that's that. Like, even I your, got bad vibes from him. Essentially, even your first watch. That's what you got. Yeah. Now on my second watch, I got that. I was really paying attention to him this time. But in the first time I watched it, I didn't know what to expect. I'm not the best like watcher of things the first time. Um, it takes a lot to draw me in. So I was still kind of like, "What are we doing?" Um, yeah, that's like everything else. Same thing. I watch. We watch together. Um, You're like, yeah. "What are you making me watch?" And then um, I wanted to mention Michael. The guy that's like, give me the best question. His vibes. He's so funny. Yeah. Um. But then at this time, we're like, he'll get bored of you, bootlicker. Like, at this time, we're also introduced to like several of Felix's friends, including. I do want to mention. Yeah. Like, the second watch through, just because like I was kind of sitting back and watching the first time. Yeah. Felix kind of a dick. Like he's not very nice. That is something I do want to eventually get into. Which we can actually start now. We just got to be mindful of spoilers, right? Because there yeah, is a major twist. Go watch it because our spoiler section is going to be fire. Well, as I say, well, I mean, we can save it for later, but there is a major twist that does occur. But I ultimately do want to ask the question: Who do you like? I'll start with you, Grace. Who do you feel is the ultimate like villain in this movie? I actually think it's the family because you know how like. Paula died. Oh my god. Yes. I'm sorry, mean, was that a spoiler? Oh, I'm so fat this. I'm sorry. It's not really no 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 no. Minor. No, no. Sad. I mean she was named Sad Pam. You can see that no, in the she was called You're talking about Pamela? 
Pamela, yeah, that's her name. I don't know why I thought her name was. In IMDb, her name is Sad Pam. No, it's Poor Dear Pamela. Oh, Poor Dear Pamela. Actually played by Karen Mulligan. Yes. Actually, like. Well, she was just in Bernstein. Bernstein. So. In Maestro. Maestro. The family was the villains because after she died, and after a lot of the other family members died, everyone was just so cold, and very uncaring towards their family members. And they were like, oh, Pamela just died for attention. Remember that part? Yeah. Yeah. So I think because they're so cold and apathetic and selfish, I think that they kind of had it coming what happened to them. Interesting. I have two equal points that I have to say right now. Sure, yeah. I know you're excited. I know you're excited. So, Vanisha is like, oh my god, you're so real. And that really just these people do not have their fingers on the pulse of like reality. Right. They live such a pampered, spoiled life, like right. belly up dogs, you know. If you know, you know. Um, I also wanted to say that um damn it, what was I gonna say? Well, while you find out what you're gonna say, what I was gonna Oh, that oh. how much you love Elsbeth's lines. Oh and, yeah. And like that was her like uh, poor dear died for attention. She'd do anything for attention. Right. There's a lot of great, great Elspeth lines, and I think maybe she is so the be winner. Before we, so you would say that the what do you think? Who do you think is the ultimate? So Teresa, who do you think is the ultimate villain of the movie? Uh, I think the ultimate villain is Duncan. I think he's orchestrating it all. No, um, yes, it's Duncan. Yeah, I, I think it's straight up Felix. You think it's Felix, Felix himself? So much, especially on a second watch. Like, if he didn't have money, he would have nothing. Like, nobody would be his friend. He would have no intrigue. Like, he doesn't have any personality other than I've got money. Fuck me. And he's pretty. Like, he's pretty, so he'd do all right. Yeah, he now, wears a good sweater. They show Oliver is very plain. Right. Until he takes his clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing all right. Front, back, side, I don't know. He's doing good. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, they all suck, but it's fun to watch and it's not my problem. So, like, yeah. Did this, so this is more of a Teresa question than, unless you have watched this, answer. unless you have watched the show. Oh. Did at any point, like, with the family, it kind of give you succession vibes? Play. Yeah, oh, I've never seen that. Drink. Uh, it's very good. It. It's very good. Um, because they're so unlikable, but like you love to not like them. Um, yes, these people aren't people. They are. Well, they sadly are probably people. No, I know. You know what I mean? But just like not people that we would know. People that hopefully will eventually give us money. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we would know them. Hi, Spotify. Uh, so. Uh, with that being, I, I would say for me, um, I think this is a movie that subverts a lot of expectations about an eat the rich story. And I think introducing more cel celebratory than it does like inclusion versus at first, at first. Right. Yes. At first. It so we're that. Rolling you in, like, oh, maybe they're people too. Right. They're not people too, guys. Well, I also think it, it, subverts, it subverts expectations about like Oliver's character. And, like, you would like someone who's more altruistic and then, like, instead of the kind of character he turns out to be. So, for me, I really do feel 
even though they are not wonderful people, I still feel Oliver is still the ultimate villain of the film. Even after you physically see everything at mm. the end, physically, even that last bit, yes, physically, yeah. There's a lot of films where the the the, the villain wins. I, personally, I feel like Oliver is more like an anti-hero and like oh, a Oliver. bringer of justice. Okay. No, no okay. Oliver. I was saying, how is he not with his final oh. interactions, like the villain? No, Oliver, I say, is the villain. But the others aren't too good either. No, they're not. That's what I was saying. And yeah, I I I also agree with that um, sentiment. Um. So I wanted to go before we meet the other members of Oliver. I mean, Oliver Felix's family. We meet um, uh, Felix's friend, who is Anna the Annabelle. No, before we meet Annabelle, the the one who's living with them that we oh, find Farley. 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 Um, and I love the scene between Oliver Farley and the professor. Where it's almost like Oliver is introduced to the fact that the world is not about how, like, how how well you do your work, even though that's that's the first implications that we get of Oliver that he is someone that works really hard at everything he does, almost to. I feel like that was phoned in. I don't get that. What What do you mean by that? He didn't give me that. Do you know what I'm talking about? The the scene with the professor where he's no, I know right he in... looks like he's that, but he's not that. Even at the end, Explain. he didn't have to work that hard to do any of it. I I think he, he no. did. Interesting. Anyway, so but in this scene, in this specific scene I'm talking about, he is um you know, he's read every single book on the list. And then Farley comes in, and just because they have a great relationship... I thought he just said that. No, he really sure. did. He did, 100%. How do you know? Because that was the intent of the person who wrote and directed the movie. Did she say that? She did. Okay. She said that she was showing that this person is someone who is above your average intelligence. They went to Oxford not because their family could get them in, but they went to Oxford on a scholarship. The clothing he wears shows the difference in class. Um, what I was going to say is we meet Farley for the first time. Um, and then a little bit after um, a specific biking accident or situation, which Oliver lends, and then we find out a little bit more information about that later on, we finally get the salt burn for the, he goes for the stomach, right? I was just going through the the story of our of our movie. I did want to mention a really funny line sure. when um, Oliver and Felix are like in the room talking, and they're, he's like trying to get an idea of like boarding school, and he's like, "All these boarding school psychos teach you <laughs> Latin water polo and child abuse." Yeah, a funny one. Also, it it is a funny one. It also shows like the aloof nature of Felix, and like like you were saying, he, he was cold. And like Grace was saying that the whole family is very cold. I also like when um he's in the bar and Oliver is like, Okay, go get her, like eeny mini miny mo and the guy's like, I want a hand job and the other guy's like, We all want a hand job. Get yourself a massive castle and a fuck uh um a massive amount of money and a fuck off castle. Right, because for these people, all of them, like they're, they're not Oliver's. They're all yeah. But not in 
that way. But like they're Michaels. Right. The first guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I was gonna say is that they're all just about status and about like money and all that stuff. Uh, so then we finally get to Saltburn. Oh, before we get to Saltburn though, okay. just like Oliver standing outside watching Felix fuck that girl. Yes, the many <laughs> many scenes in which Oliver <laughs> is outside a I'm window. Sorry, the sex scenes were all so awkward in that movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, they all were. gave me the ick. I think that they were all supposed, like oddly, I think they were all supposed to. They were supposed to be revolting. Revolting, yeah, revolting. Like this is what they get up to, right? Or like this is the only way they can express themselves in like really awkward, revolting sexual encounters. Okay, yeah, where they're accusing people. Point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I feel like now that we're at Saltburn... Oh, like, we're getting to Saltburn now. Should... <laughs> You're frustrating the spoilers if they're not interested so far. No, no, no. <laughs> because there's a lot that happens before the big twist. Okay. What about when Oliver's dad dies and they throw the rock into the river? So, like, I thought that was such a sweet, cute moment. Yeah, yeah. And great, great work of foreshadowing. And not any bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. So well, a lot I of... I love that it gave meaning to the latter end of the movie. A lot of this movie is, like, such great work of, of foreshadow. It's really so much, like, they built a massive domino, like... Yeah, yeah. What do that's you call a... it? Like, yeah. like, no, but what do you call it when you build the domino things? There's so many of them. Is there a name for that? And then... It's probably it. Then at the... Then at one certain point of the movie, they flick it down and everything goes down just perfectly as planned. Yes. It's very orchestrated. That's a great way to put it, yes. A lot of it is very orchestrated. A lot of it is very choreographed, where like you don't see it coming until you do, and then you realize the whole time it's been before your eyes. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to get into like certain aspects of the family and certain aspects of like, what were your impressions? How about that naked family field thing? Oh, when, when, uh, when, um, when he goes out and they're like, you know, trucks in the field and they're just all naked together. Like the family seems like at least a little bit incestuous and they're like totally fine bringing up fucking family and stuff. So uh, I'm a little worried. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much they keep in the family. Mm. And then when when they see his, he takes it off, and Farley's like, you know what? Good for you. What a twist. And I was like, that joke landed so well with me. I was just like, I don't care what happens. This is great. Um, what do you think about some of, like, I know we really talked, but, like, what do you think? Did you have any specific, like, shots that you really liked? Any specific elements? And I'll start with Grace. Um, I really like the co color scheme they used and how it changed throughout the movie. I know that sounds a little weird and specific. No, that's wonderful. That's so, the color really communicates you, the changing tones in the movie. Can you ex can you possibly explain like a specific color change that you remembered? Um, I'm not sure if I can specifically, but I just okay. remember throughout the whole movie, the use of color was really good. 
Um, and I'm gonna try to do this without going to spoil Some territory. Of the shots yeah, we're gonna talk about the shots, but I think for me, one of the most distinctive moments is when they're all having lunch. Of course, it was like kind of one of the last meals that they ever have, and then that red covers the whole room. Yeah, that's a great example. Sorry, I kind of drew a blank there. Oh no, you're fine. You're fine. Well, that's why I'm here as the host to help pick us up. Um, I also think, yeah, that's what I'm, that's. Yeah. Okay. You're doing a great job. Um. So the um, and also like a lot of that is shot in the lights, like at the beginning, and then we kind of get more and more isolated. I feel as it gets darker. So that's a great use of color. What kind of specific shots, uh, Teresa? Do you remember that? There's one part when he's out smoking in the field, and oh yeah, they like transpose it up. And you can see everything below. Like sulfur so on top and also below. Um, when he's out in the grass uh, laying, probably smoking grass. And this part <laughs> isn't color. I'm going to go a little bit away. We can go back to the cinematography. Sure, no, no, sure. But like, even upon the first watch, this is when I started to get a little suspicious of Oliver. It wasn't when he was weirdly like watching him fuck people. It should have been then, but like, no, that's just good friends and cheek kissing boys. I don't know. He loved him, so be creepy. No, what I really noticed is when he went to breakfast and he exerts this power over Duncan about the eggs. He he specifically says, orders his eggs over easy, which means it's gonna be runny, and then says, I cannot have runny eggs. It makes my stomach hurt, and that smirk he gives. I'm starting to think like, wow. And that's really good. I don't think I caught that with probably because of my autism and the social cues and stuff. So sure, that's a really good thing you pointed exert- out. I just thought he like didn't know what he was ordering or something. Yeah, he can. It shows in little ways at first that he's exerting his power over each member of the family, and then it's more overt and more overt. In my my opinion, um. Hello? Hello. Oh, sorry. I thought my computer... I'm so sorry. I'm so awkward. No, no. You're fine. Um, You're doing great. You're doing wonderful, Grace. I I swear. You are are doing absolutely wonderful. And I love this discussion because this is is a movie that's you know, a lot of people have a lot of thoughts on, and I'm, I'm really excited. There's a lot to dig in. It's not so, like, straightforward. Right. And um, when you go for a commentary piece like this, there's just more to more to talk about, and I think that's the point of the movie. But I, I did want to mention both of what you were saying, and I said when I first my first my first initial impressions were, it felt like he was much more of like a fish out of water, where like he wasn't. Well, he played it off as oopsie daisy, swung egg order, but he meant it, and like. So I was just gonna say, based upon what you were saying when I first watched it. It felt very much like he was out of place, even to the point that the the butler said something to the, along the lines of like a lot of people get lost in Saltburn. And then this upon second watch, I kind of more agree with Teresa's aspect, where it seemed a lot more like what Barry Keoghan's character is doing is a lot of microaggressions. Yeah. Where like he's like needling all of these people in like the, the smallest kind of way like doing these microaggressions that uh will detract from um like 
hey, maybe I can get a lot of people to, um, maybe I can get them to do what I want them to do by pretending like I'm incompetent or like I don't know what's going on. Meanwhile, like obviously we find out later that that's not so much the case. Um, I did want to say um, some of the other performers in this movie uh, and just touch on them. So like, um, like Teresa said, I loved uh, Rosamund Pike as Elspeth uh, Catton. Do you have some of the quotes that she said? So this is the, the matriarch of the Catton family. She looks the same age as Venetia. Yeah. So <laughs> do you have any of the, the quotes that she had we talked about? I'm looking, yeah. Um, where did it go? Okay. Venetia is sexually incontinent since 14. These are things that the mother says about her daughter. This guy that's living there. Like, okay, girl. Um, she has fingers for pudding, which is her bulimia. Um, I was a lesbian for a while. <laughs> but girls got to, uh, what was it? Wet for me in the end. But men are so lovely and dry. Yeah. Dry men, you know. Um, How, again, like you said, uh, poor dear... So yeah, she's using her mother's lines. Then he he then uses his the mother's lines against her by calling her a, a masochist to get control over her in a very interesting scene. Um, uh, I also really like so that's that's one. Did you have any specific thoughts on uh, Elspeth uh, Grace? I think the way she talks about, like, her daughter's hyposexuality and her bulimia really solidifies with my point that she's kind of cold and uncaring, like, just the way she talks about it. I, it makes sense because even um, Venetia herself, she's like, we're cold-blooded. And it goes back to, like, she knows. Like, she's maybe the most cognizant of the situation. She knows the entire family is cold-blooded. And, um... Then that's when she, oh my gosh, I had a point. Well, I was going to say, if we can move on to the father, Richard E. Grant, who almost seems like you had made the, the mention that it seems like he's in his own movie. Like a different movie. He didn't get called, like he has no idea what's going on. So while Venetia is cognizant of their life, he is like in La La Land. But not the movie, just like la la la. Well, it almost seems like he's just pretending all the events are not occurring until for again towards the end. Would you have any thoughts on the the father? Um, I think he's seeing all the generational trauma and all the issues in the family, and he's kind of in his own world as a way to escape from that and like ignore it until he can, literally can't ignore it anymore. And it's like staring him in the face. I also like that he has, he invites the Henrys over, and they're all called Henry, but most of them. And some of them <laughs> sing Flow Rider. Oh my gosh. So I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen, I'm talking to you guys as if like you're right here with me, listeners, but I don't know if you've seen You're the Worst, um, Grace. It's a great show. Can't recommend it highly enough. I don't watch a lot of TV. <laughs> we watch enough tv for everyone so but there's a very like quirky like 
silly. I would say quirky. I would say he's horrible. Brandon is horrible? Yes. He is, but like, I don't know. He's not quirky. He's just like gross. But, uh, okay. Immature is what I'm looking for. Okay. He's that's very, okay. I'm he's sure. in a very like there. man child situation. Yes. And the guy, the Henry that was dancing, that the wife like hates him, that um, Barry Keegan's character was talking to at dinner. Lady Daphne. <laughs> she was just like, what would be great about it? Like, God, this guy sucks. Um, I also, uh, this is the only thing I've ever seen Alice, Alice and Oliver in. I don't know if she's been in anything else, but I thought she was fantastic as Venetia. Oh my gosh. So the first watch through, I didn't realize how good she was until that last scene. But she's great. Like, oh my gosh. What did you think of Venetia, uh, Grace? Um, I don't have that many thoughts on Venetia, actually. I, so, my one thought that I do have... So, you know the scene where he's doing... I don't know if I... It's actually explicit, I can't say it, but you know that scene? You get... So, the, the eating her out while she's on a period. Yes, that one. I okay. kind of saw that as he's trying to consume her and, like, have him inside her in a way. And try to like to become her and become the family is the vibes I got from that. Damn hot take, Grace. Love it. That was Thank so you. well said. Yeah, and no. then it, 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 it mirrors, it like leads perfectly to her last thing that she says in the end. But I think I'll come back to that when we're in spoiler land because it's a little bit a lot. <laughs> um, I also said that with when um, Oliver is talking to Elspeth with um, when poor dear Pamela dies. He projects everything about himself onto Pamela. Oh, yeah. And I'm just Even like, more so when we find out everything. Yeah. So I think we're... I, ju I do want to touch on one other thing, which was, what did you think? So I know Jacob Elordi from, like you said, those Netflix movies from... Euphoria. Euphoria. What do you think about his performance in this movie? Oh, so good. So what, like, is it? Because I think this is the best he's ever done as far as like this is acting. This me be like, oh, he he's an actor, actor, right? Which sorry, Jacob Elordi, I know you're not listening to this, but like, come on, no, he definitely this, is. This is so great job. Like this one, you had to dig your teeth in and be like one of the mains. So I I would say though that okay, I was gonna say that, but like. Great job, Jacob. Great job. I think, other than the Oliver twist of it all, Oliver Quick, um, I feel like their names are swip-swapped. Oh, yeah, you were he, saying this earlier. So, I think Oliver looks like a Felix, and Felix looks like an Oliver. And it's been messing me up this whole podcast, because I want to call them different names, even though I know their names. Okay. <laughs> um, did you have any thoughts on the Felix character played by Jacob Elordi, Grace. I think he's kind of the embodiment of like an entitled rich kid, and mm -hmm. we're kind of meant to like grow resent for him over the course of the movie, even though he's like really charming and charismatic. Because first, we're supposed to hate him more and more as the movie goes on. So from here on out, because I want to take that idea for a second, and I want to move on to. Our spoiler section. Okay. Because okay. I'm just saying, because we have, you know, I, I want to make sure I want to be 
uh, cognizant of the time, and I want to be fair. One more thing. Go ahead and say one more thing. Felix only builds transactional relationships, so therefore he was very easy to manipulate. So yeah, Felix, you're talking about Dick of Lord's character. Yes. So he, like, almost he want, he buys his friends, like. Correct. And but he feels the need to pay back any sort of nicety to him because he feels. But I also obvious. think there's also a sense of like, and not just entitlement, but like he likes that he builds friendship groups with people that He's like, like God, depend on him. Right, right. Which is a great transition to us going, which is uh, through a series of actions in this movie, um, there's uh, a scene where we, um, we're we noticing, let's say certain members of the household are being uh, removed. It starts with Farley Start, who is removed because uh, he, he's selling policy plates. And that is after a like an encounter with um, Oliver, who essentially like kind of sexually assaults him. I think kind of is a little bit okay. So sexually assaults him. Like he just jumps on top of him and starts grabbing his dick. Like that's a lot. Then, um, so are we in spoiler land? Top of that, Jacob Alardi, the morning of a big party that they're going to have for Barry Keegan's character says, let's go on a road trip. We got to have some fun. And then they wind up going to Oliver's house. And then at the beginning and throughout the whole film, Oliver has cultivated a past, um, like a life that he's lived where his mother is some sort of addict. addict. His father has passed. He's the only child. We show up at the house. And then what impressions did you get from that scene? Uh, Grace. That I was right about it the whole time, and he was suspicious, and he was being manipulative. I didn't know exactly why he did that at first, but, like, I knew it was something, like, bad. And then what did you think, Teresa? Did that confirm your suspicions? Did Were you surprised? I still didn't have that kind of suspicion going on for him. I'd say, like, I thought he was, you know, weird and weird and okay guys we're at the spoilers yes we have okay. to, yep we can come back to the house but like chronologically we got to talk about the bathtub scene do we have to i, I feel like we, we don't have to, have to. <laughs> one of the people he fucked he fucked the grave he fucked the bathtub he fucked everything i want to go uh, so let's let's just cover this real quick and then i will because i, I want to ask something real like i want to say something related to that but going towards the end of the film so what did you so you did you were you were you shocked when he when he saw what happened with the family because i was shocked i definitely i just thought something was up by then or like he was manipulating himself into it but i did not it's not hard to believe in a strange family situation right um it happens all the time matter of fact i so... thought this was someone who was like trying to raise above his own means yeah and so he was being manipulative but being manipulative because he had such a heart like he was coming and that's why i say i think this is a film that subverts a lot of expectations of an eat the rich story because usually the person who is nice mommy and daddy like, right the person who's trying to eat the rich usually comes from a place that's poor and you're rooting for him because he's so sympathetic 
But then you're like, oh no, this guy is a sociopath. Also, their house was pretty nice. It was I very nice. Like, I yeah. He's yeah, not from middle class. He's like from upper crust. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's not like the top one percent, obviously. Which makes it hard to eat the rich because he is the rich too, right? So, which so so here's my hottest take of the movie. And if this was a segment, it's not a segment, but we can make it. <laughs> my hottest take of the movie is it's a movie I thoroughly enjoyed, was extremely entertained by, but it's a movie that does not makes sense narratively yeah i can agree with that because it's a movie that the 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 writer director who is also from upper crust like she is also is trying to have a social commentary about like look at all these these people who are who are awful well i think she's from the same level as barry keegan and so it's a little weird it's like one of the castle Trying to have a castle. Okay. <laughs> well, and like, like I said, I think it's a beautifully shot movie and everything. So you're not going to get your movies made. So but it's I hard think, to, yeah, yeah. It's hard to. And I, I don't, I don't have. I like, I like the ideas. I like, I like a lot of the, the, the thought into it. I like. I think a lot of the shots are beautiful. I think it's well done. Upon a rewatch, though, I don't like it as much as the first time. But I, my problem with it narratively, and we'll get so further into it. It's just a means to the end, so you could be like, "Look how twisty so, all the twisty quick is." So again, what? It's after I saw poor things, so I'm like, <laughs> "See, now that's a whole other podcast." But it I feel like be. I feel like poor things does a better job at that explanation mm-hmm. than this movie goes anywhere near to, oh, yeah. but it pretends it's in that same class. And I think that's ultimately what the, the falling of this movie is. So, like, I know I screamed about it. I love this movie, don't get me wrong, but there's been so many great movies this year that I kind of do get it. Why it's not there, but it still upset me. Right. No, no, no. I understand. And, like, you like what you like. But um, so uh, so the the twist happens. Then lots of murdering happens, right? Uh, first we have uh, Lordy. Jacob Lordy, poison um, in the maze. Poison in the maze, which That's is such a beautiful, be- beautiful <laughs> metaphor. It's actually a minotaur. Yeah, do you know that the minotaur was modeled after Barry Keoghan's car- body type? He was the Minotaur in the maze. That's so weird. It's so cool, though. Was that his Easter egg little thing? Yeah, it is. It looks like his dick. Yes. It kind of looks like his dick. It was his dick, yeah. 100%. If you like dicks, this is the movie for you. You get some dicks and some naked dancing at the end. Yeah. On um, uh, Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis Baxter, which is the best fucking needle drop ever. It is good. And we'll get to that, Coda, in in a minute, but I did want so we get some murdering there. The sister then, um, unfortunately. I want to talk about her lines in the bathtub. Okay. I'm actually going to read it to you. She's like, fantastic. Well, first she's like, you know, you didn't fucking know him. Like, why? And right. like, stranger, fucking danger. Yeah, she's great. And then she scene. talks about how the family thinks she's a spider, the dad. So that means that Venetia and the dad have been like, we need to get this fucker out of here. Right, right. Which shows that they actually have a relationship because they don't show that in the movie. So I kind of like that little like hint to that. But she's like, I don't think you're a spider. I think you're a moth. 
quiet, harmless, drawn to shiny things. And then she goes on a little bit more. She's very drunk. And then she's like, you ate him right up and you licked the fucking plate. So like earlier when you said that he wanted to consume her, I was just like, that's fucking perfect. Well, it's because it seemed like he wanted to consume the whole family. Um, He's hungry. He's hungry. But I, but I think talking about consuming metaphors and all that, I feel like that this is a case of a of a of someone who is a writer director who wants to have the cake and eat it too, wants to be like, oh, here's a eat it, here's a eat the rich storyline about someone who is also rich, who wants to be even more rich. So it's kind of like, man, the rich are awful, but so are other people too. I think in the end, though. It's a story about all villains. It's there's no there's no good person, yeah. right? And I think ultimately, like that is something that the film suffers from. So I want to talk about one of the aspects I think that Emerald Fennell uses in this movie, and that is the idea of like real shock factor. Which uh, Grace, you touched upon how like every single sex scene in this movie is just weird. Yeah, it's it's not. Sexual, it's not romantic. That fucking gorgeous. I'm pretty sure it's not romantic. Um, I disagree. I think it's so romantic to fuck somebody's grave. Um, I think it's actually the um the sequel to I Spit on Your Grave. It's just like I'll fuck your grave. Um, no, um, that one did not gross me out. It made me be like question mark. What grossed me out was the bathtub scene, and I will never get over it. Yeah, the bathtub scene even... is a lot worse than the grave scene, in my opinion. And I know, I know that's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, I've seen people be, like, tortured and, like, so horrible things. Well, I was going to ask which scene, which scene that, like, so I think that there are three distinctive, like, shots. The rape scene, we've got shock value the scene, the period scene, I think the, the I think the period scene, scene didn't actually gross me out that much. I don't know why I can't find it that bad. I think we have I think that we have the bathtub scene and I think we have fucking the grave scene. Yeah. And I think out of all of the scenes that worked the best for me, I think that the fucking the grave scene worked the best because it was really cementing that this man is a sociopath. And I just think, honestly, not only that, I also think it was hilarious. He came up with it. Barry Keegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was his idea. So somebody needs to check his basement. Just saying. That is a compliment, Barry Keegan, but, like, yikes. Um... (laughs) Also, I want to know who the fuck picks Time New Roman for a grave? Like, this is not a history paper. This is not, like, MLA format. Come on now. I love that that was definitely one of your thoughts as an author. Was like, What did you think? Times New Roman? Um, I do want to get to certain final thoughts. Uh, my, I think my biggest complaint with the movie is, again, the, and I'm trying to be, like, respectful to everyone's time, but I think my biggest complaint with the movie um, is the ending feels kind of rushed and what felt like how he was kind of not a sympathetic character, but like this guy who was like trying to in- ingratiate himself onto a family. It became like, he was just like this mustache twirling villain the whole time. And I said, the coffee shop scene was so weird. And the fact that you 
mentioned that like he's just like making like da -da 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 -da, like but grace I, I know you know this one probably as as an author i'm an author myself yeah. when you just are like trying to do something at the keyboard and you just like wiggle your fingers until it says stuff but it's nothing it's nonsense and yeah. we actually we rewound that and the coffee shop scene is so weird like that was so like well, it's been some time since he left Saltburn. So it's after the death of both uh, the brother. I mean, the Catton. Felix. Catton means boy or cat. I thought it would be something greater, but meh. And then uh, it's after the death of uh, Felix's sister. Farley's been cast away. Farley's been cast away. A great Farley quote. Um, real quick. Remember, we're in a little time. <laughs> Go back to whatever creepy doll factory they make Oliver's in. That's after he's like, this is your summer. This is my life. But then <laughs> he's like, joke's on you. This is my life. Right. And then he takes all the rocks of the dead people as his trophies. Chef kiss. Yeah. Um, so, but I think that the, the twist of the movie is so weird because I feel like it's the I way that they... Loved him. I loved him. I loved him, but I hated him. I don't know if he loved him. Yeah, and it, it would have been great if it was like really up in the open, like out in the open, like he wasn't sure if this was like an obsession or if it was something like he was. But it seemed like he was just this masterminded sociopath at the end, which made no sense. Yeah. So, like in that vein, explain the vast up scene to me. Right. I don't think he was really like in love with him. I think he was infatuated with him. I don't even know if it plays out for that. Like, it seems like okay. This gets back to my fourth wall breaking thing. I think he's doing it for our benefit to show us to so, like oh, convince that's us. A really good take, Teresa. I like that. Well, maybe because otherwise it does not work. So I have a question for you. Do you think yeah. this movie suffers from an unreliable narrator? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Everybody there is unreliable. Maybe if they had Michael there the whole time, he'd have been like, "Guys, you're being weird as fuck. Ask me a math equation." So uh, how do you why do you feel that way, Grace? Uh, that's unreliable. I think we're kind of seeing it from Oliver's perspective, and okay. Oliver's kind of twisted in his mind to thinks what he's doing is justified. Okay. So he it, so, it's his perspective. So we're not seeing like the whole moral truth because he doesn't believe he's doing anything wrong. Because oh. yes, at the I agree with that because at the well, I agree that's what they were trying to do. Like, at the end, right. he was like, you guys have no natural predators except for me. To right, me, right. Me, squirrel. Yeah, yeah. And then, they're like, when he tried to drape her dead arm over him, I was like, why are you doing that? It's so funny. Like, you want a hug from her now? Yeah. I don't, like, that part feels so disingenuous. Well, yeah. and again, I think this is the, the, the issue I have with the film is it seems like at parts he wants to, like, destroy all of them and then at parts he wants to like be loved by them and then at the end of the film it's like oh no i was here to destroy them the whole time but then parts of what like happened to the story right seem to hate all exactly i see that's why i think i think um we're gonna keep downgrading this movie if we keep like no no i think i really like the movie i just think that narratively at the end it falls apart this i think is very much oh don't 
don't fight me, guys. This seems like very much first draft behavior, but you're like, this is a masterpiece. So I 100% agree with you. I feel like that no one was in the room. Emerald, Emerald really Fennell wrote the whole thing herself. She did another great movie um, called, uh, gosh, I think it's like The Story of a Woman or the... Um, she Needs to Kill Your Darlings, which is in editing. There, You can't keep everything. I know you know this, Grace. I think we should yeah, drink every single yeah, time you say yeah, that word. The phrase. What, kill your, kill your darlings. darlings. I say it like once, so we'd only get a very slight buzz, and I don't drink, so... Um, uh, but no, she did a movie called Promising Young Woman, which was a lot about sexual assaults. Um, and so I think that with the success of that movie, I think she was kind of like, hey, I could do what I want to do. But also it's working because everybody's talking about the bathtub scene. Everybody's right. talking about the grave scene. And the movie is being talked about. It's making the money. So at the end, it's doing what it was supposed to. Yeah. Um. So at the end, she's probably twirling her metaphorical mustache and being like, oh, I got paid all the same and this is my creation. Well, I also think I with, a, with an art tour like, like her, I think she was also hoping that she would also get critical success. And this another, movie is... Another thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Promising Young Woman is based off a book. So like the is, story outline and all the plot points were already there for her to work off of. That's true, and I think this is the first one that she wrote, which was like an original original idea, correct? I don't think this was an adapted screenplay, right? Right. As I think I if it, know. If it was, I think it would have gone like, to that masterful level. Like, I think, it would have gone to poor things, to um, um, Killers of the Norman. Like, it would have made the Oscars right. if you would have been able to do that. Well, I think just having an editor in there to be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah, someone... Like, like, it's not your movie. You don't have to stop at two hours. You could have gone further. You didn't have to, like, oh, no, let's just... So do you think they rushed the ending? Thing. Yes. I do you feel the same way, Grace? The beginning? Yeah, I think the last, like, five minutes kind of ruined it, in my opinion. I, I would agree. Although, I would disagree with one specific aspect. I love the coda of the movie. Explain to people who don't know what that means what you're talking about. The the needle drop for murder on the dance floor, oh, and then him dancing through there doing tell, coke. Tell them what he was most worried about. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, apparently in interviews and stuff like that, he wasn't worried about showing off. So full disclosure, he's fully nude. Like you could see it all hanging out. Um, and he's definitely a shower. Um, <laughs> um, <Ew. laughs> um, I wonder if he kept the Minotaur statue. Uh, maybe, you know, you know, he felt pretty proud of it, I guess. Um, so, um, but just like, I think it's just such a really good homage to things like, um, what was the book you were talking about? The Brief History, or what was it called? The Secret History. It's really the good. You should check it out. I know this I, is not what it's about, but it's really no, good. No, no, no. I definitely no. would like to check it. So, uh, you said a brief history? It's the Secret, secret. History. It's secret from history. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that one, uh, I think it's also like an homage to stuff like, um, oh gosh, what's the name of the movie that had Matt Damon in it? Talented Mr. Ripley. Um, oh, yeah. 
I've, I've never seen that one. Oh, really? Oh, it's really good, I've man. I've never seen anything yet. I have a TV and movie podcast. Explain that. Um, okay. <laughs> so me. I think we pretty much talked about this. I wanted to make sure she could talk a little bit about Green Pines before. We oh, yes. Pines. Please. Well, just before just before we get, I just want to, is there anything anyone else wants to add? Because I that's my, I guess, 20 cents on the movie is how I felt about it. I loved it. I would give it probably an overall like a B, B plus. But I think that like we all discussed, I think the ending falls apart. What do you think, Grace? Um, I think it's like a decent movie, but it's not like super great or anything. It's just decent. <laughs> okay. What about you, Teresa? And then we're gonna go to talk about watch through just everything was happening so fast. I didn't have time to have all my thoughts and like really parse things or like know anything about it i loved it the first time i probably would have said nine it's gone down to about like a seven for me okay wow and um but that's after i've just seen so many great movies this year that i just i really can't allow that to not be judged well on a level playing field i want to talk about something that is a 100 percent 10 out of 10 and that is the book green pines that you can order today on Amazon.com. And how can we get that in paperback and in Kindle? Yes, it's available in paperback and Kindle. And uh, can you tell our listeners about it? Why they absolutely need to, as soon as they finish, uh, you know, they they click end podcast. They need to go onto Amazon.com I'm and order it. The link there, so it'll be so easy for you guys. There you go. So it's a folk horror. It's kind of based on the cartoon Gravity Falls, but for adults. And it has a really great quirky cast of characters. I don't know what else you could want in a book. It sounds like we did the convince me on Green Pines, and it only took you like 10 seconds. Yeah, I'm very good at pitching. I've I've been in situations where I had to pitch my ideas before. I've gotten good at it. Okay, I will hit you up on that because that's where I need help. Um, You ever need book covers again? I got you. I love the new... Her old one was great, but like I took the spirit of that and oh yeah, so Teresa did the book cover for Grace. So you definitely you definitely have to order the paperback then, yes, so that you can see like Teresa's new cover all in its glory. Right. Um, well, I need to order it, but have her sign it and send it. So like have it shipped to her or however that works. It's a little more difficult that way, but. I love to have my paperbacks of the authors I know personally. I've got quite a few of them. Um, like to add that. Um, it was great having you. Um, we'd love to have you again. Anything um, else that? No, that's about about? it. Thank you so much for Can having I... me. I had fun. Thank you. I don't. I don't hate. To, I hate to. I just. I love having an author on here. Uh, besides Teresa, who's <laughs> who's an amazing author herself. Uh, I always have like a couple of questions. Do you mind if like I just ask you three questions and that's it? Okay, um, go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Just okay. just so that the audience gets to know you. Do you have any books that served as an inspiration or any other type of media that served as inspiration for? I know you mentioned Gravity Falls, but for Green Pines? Um, like the TV show Supernatural served as a big inspiration. There's like a ghost hunting element in it, so that was kind of inspired oh, nice. by Supernatural. 
that's very like cool. Family dynamics that are in the core of it. It's not exactly the same, but it's kind of like the same family dynamic with siblings. Um, so I, I just had two questions about being an author. Okay. Um, how did you know you wanted to be an author? I knew I wanted to be an author when I was nine years old, and I specifically knew I wanted to be a horror author because I've always been into, like, the spooky stuff, you know? Right. So I've, I've known this is what I want to do since I was about nine years old. Um, and with that, so did you have, like, a specific, like, book or author that made you that way, or was it intrinsic? Because with me, it was intrinsic. Like, I got yeah, asked the other day. It was intrinsic with me too. That's I wasn't. So cool. I wasn't. I obviously wasn't reading like Stephen King and stuff at nine years old, but I was reading like Goosebumps, goodness, and like oh, the Poison Apple books and like the kids horror books. And mm -hmm. I guess those are what really got me into writing horror at first. And then I just have one last question. I promise. Uh, and I appreciate all the extra time you gave us. Thank you so, so much. And that is, uh, for any aspiring authors, do you have any advice for them? Um, the key to being a, a successful writer is endurance and discipline. So keep your writing routine, write every day is whatever your word goal is. And don't get discouraged if you lack motivation or someone's like telling you you can't do it. You just have to put through that. Great advice that I need to take sometimes. I actually took a decade off of the writing game. And so now I'm kind of playing catch up. And if I just imagine where I would have been if I didn't let those factors get to me back then. Um, like, because I can already see the improvement just writing again starting in 2023. So, like, and. So I think taking it her advice. Yeah, also like really, that's what I was saying. Like, so for any advice. author. Like, that is super helpful, as you as an author have found yes. that yourself. And guess what? The first draft can suck. That's so hard for perfectionists like me. I don't know if you suffer from that. But guess what? You can always fix it in the rewrites. Just, so, just don't read back what you're writing until you're ready to edit. That's my trick. Just don't read it until you're editing. So you guys got a bonus advice. So with me, you're a bonus, bonus advice. I will send excerpts to somebody, but then I read them like, oh shit, what did I just send? And I edit that, but then I forget about it afterwards. But I don't allow myself to kill my darlings yet. Drink, drink, drink. We're <laughs> <be> so drunk. <laughs> um, Grace, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for um, having me. All of, are my favorite. No offense to everybody else that I have on here. All of our podcast listeners will mm -hmm. go to Amazon now. Download it on Kindle, order it on paperback, do both. Um, we, we so look forward to reading it. Um, and thank you so much for joining us for Soulburn. Anything thank else you, you want to add? All right. Um, no, I will link all of her info in the bio. Fantastic. I will link ours as well. Um, we have a new website, guys. That's the only thing I want to say. Yes, please. Um, it's a podcast2023.com. Um, I did it all myself and I'm proud of myself because I don't know that stuff. And I was like, Oh, we need our website done. So I'm just like, I'll do it. Yep. So join us on our website. And I will feature our guests. Yes. From beginning to grace. And then, um, we've got a lot of fun guests coming up. So yeah, just stay tuned. We've always got a lot of fun stuff. So 
for Grace, for Teresa, for myself, Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening and staying with us. Don't lick bathtubs uh, or fuck graves. Don't lick bathtubs or fuck graves. Or make sure someone reads the ending of your stuff. <laughs> um, Y'all, thank you so much again for listening to us and have a wonderful day. All right, bye.